Well, if you hadn't figured out, uh, we're talking about creation today, but this is also Trinity Sunday. Uh, and so we're talking about how the Trinity is involved in creation. So we're going to start uh, our scripture readings today with a passage from Colossians, uh, which talks about the work of Jesus Christ in creation. Uh, this comes from the first chapter of Colossians, beginning with verse 15. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. Christ himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Then I'm going to just read a few verses from the first two chapters of Genesis. The uh, children and youth did a really beautiful job of exploring this story for us a few weeks ago. So you've heard it recently, but this is just a very abbreviated version to sort of remind us of the process through which the world was created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let dry land appear. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And God said, let us create humankind in our image according to our likeness. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, God rested. Now I'm going to continue with a few verses from Genesis 2 because this is a different version of the creation narrative. So I want you to listen for differences from the structure that we just looked at. I'm sorry, I'm a professor. Sometimes I have to kind of teach a little bit, but... From Genesis 2 we read, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. 
Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Then God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I said, today is Trinity Sunday, uh, but the Trinity is not really mentioned in the Bible. Nowhere in Scripture is there an explanation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity was defined by theologians in the first centuries of Christianity who looked at the various ways that God works through Scripture. And they came up with this theological model that really defies explanation. I read somewhere this morning that more heresy will be preached from pulpits this day than on any other day of the year. The great 5th century theologian Augustine said, If you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. If you try and explain it, you will lose your mind. Suffice it to say, it is a very difficult, complex theological argument that I'm not sure I explain, so I am not going to take time to try to uh, explain it to you. So instead, we're going to look at how God functions as the Trinity from the very beginning of Scripture, specifically in the creation narrative in Genesis. All three persons of the Trinity are present in this story. It's easy to see God the Father. God is the creator, the source of everything that is. The Holy Spirit is that spirit of God hovering over the formless void before creation begins. But where is the Son? Where do we find Jesus in the story of the world's creation? Well, the Gospel of John helps us to answer that question. Our call to worship, like I said, kind of mashed up the first words of Genesis in the beginning with the first words of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John goes on to say that same Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, or logos in Greek, was that part of God that later took human form in Jesus. Later in John's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples about being with God before the world existed. The passage that I read from Colossians further explains how the second person of the Trinity was involved in creation. The apostle Paul describes Jesus as the firstborn of creation, the first thing that came from God the Father, who then took part in creating everything else. Or as Paul says, all things have been created through him and for him. Christ himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
Some theologians use the term cosmic Christ to describe Jesus' relationship to all of creation and not just to humanity. God so loved the world, the cosmos, the creation, that God came to us in human form, in human flesh. Jesus is the invisible God made visible. The word of God in human form who brings all of creation into wholeness with God. But what does this mean for us? Pastor Sarah always brings our lesson to here and now. What does this mean? Well, the important message about the Trinity is that from the very beginning, God's self, God's self has been communal. God the Father begat the Son, who in turn begat the Holy Spirit. And through this communal being, the created world came into existence. The very nature of the divine involves connection to others. This communal God created an earth community, and all of creation is our community, not just the human part. We heard how beautiful it is in the story that Cindy read the children, all the, all the creatures. Genesis 1 recounts a very orderly process of that creation. Light and dark, land and sea, plants, fish, birds, animals, humans, all spoken into existence by God. But the story in Genesis 2 is different, isn't it? It's a whole different story in which God first creates a man, places him in a garden, and then recognizes that the man may be lonely. So God creates animals and birds to keep the man company before finally making him a human partner. In this account, all other creatures, all of creation, was made to keep us company, made for our companionship. We are part of an earthly community. Last week on Pentecost, Pastor Sarah reminded us that our community is far wider than we think. On that Pentecost day, the disciples spoke in languages they didn't even know so that the gospel could be heard by all people, even those who we sometimes see as outsiders. Creation is also broader than we think. God's love and care extends to everything that was created, and so should ours. Too often we humans set ourselves apart from the rest of creation, physically inside of our buildings that insulate us from nature and keep our world safe, dry, and around 70 degrees Fahrenheit. We bring a few animals in to keep us company. Anyone who knows me knows that I can't live without my cats. But we are largely immune to the fate of other creatures. The condition in which cows, pigs, and chickens live before arriving in the grocery store neatly packaged as meat. We set ourselves apart theologically as well. We point to human exception. We are the ones created in God's image. But that exceptionalism lets us see how our way of life has endangered the entire world. Relentless consumerism powered by burning fossil fuels has altered our climate. Despite our weirdly mild winter and this current drought that we're in, we here in Western Pennsylvania are relatively safe from devastating wildfires, severe storms, and rising sea levels. But we can expect increasingly more climate refugees as people living on the margins and coastal areas are driven from their homes. We're also witnessing a mass extinction event in which a million or more species may die out. We need to recover a sense that we are all in this together 
humans, animals, birds, fish, bugs, everything. We are in community with everyone and everything else that exists. And what happens to them should matter to us. The Apple TV series Extrapolations imagine what the future might be if we do not quickly curb fossil fuel emissions. In one episode set in 2146, we see Rebecca, a marine biologist who works for Menagerie 2100, which is a corporation that tracks species on the brink of extinction and then banks their DNA before they vanish forever. Rebecca locates what may be the last humpback whale and communicates through a computer program that translates the whale's song. But instead of using the computer's mechanized voice, Rebecca sets it to the voice of her own mother, played by the incomparable Meryl Streep. She feels a, con a kinship with the whale, whose offspring have all died. As a widowed mother herself, Rebecca understands the whale's drive to find a mate and create a new family. Her corporation only wants her to document the whale's existence. But Rebecca bonds with this creature. They form a relationship. She knows that they are part of one community, the community of the Earth. We've all seen that picture of the Earth taken by the Apollo astronauts, that first look at our planet from space, a beautiful blue ball laced with clouds and floating in the darkness. It's no accident that the environmental movement took off shortly after that. We saw the fragility of the Earth, but we also saw that the Earth is one planet without all the divisions that we have carved up. It's one home that we share with all peoples and all creatures. For us to survive, we must make sure that other species do as well. We need to recover a sense of community that everything the Trinity created depends upon it. Everything is holy because everything was created by God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We read, we read in Genesis that God said, let us create humans in our image. Some Bible scholars think that means that we too are creators, that the part of God's image that we reflect is the ability to imagine something and then create it. Humans have created things of astounding beauty. In the same episode of Extrapolations, Rebecca plays symphonies by Gustav Mahler and explains to the whale, who only knows what exists in the present, that even though Mahler has died, we can still experience his world through the beauty of his music. He created things that survived him. But humans also create systems and machines that gobble up the Earth's resources and leave destruction in their wake. Our community must now work together to ensure that all of creation thrives. As we prepare now for communion, the meal that draws us into community, we remember that in Jesus' hands, the gifts of the earth nourish us for the work before us. Wheat becomes bread, becomes the body of Christ. Grapes become wine, becomes the blood of Christ. Fed by this meal, we become the living body of Christ in the world, created by God the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sustained by the Holy Spirit, and called to live with and care for everything else that God created.